0: back to the kill the dead podcast i'm your host gray tonight we have our co-host ash say what's up ash hello wonderful people it is 2019 and we are officially back and we've already got one horror movie in theaters already how excited were you to see escape room
1: oh i was actually pretty excited i was excited that There
0: was an actual horror movie that came out beginning of the year. So yeah, this is a rare treat. Like in my experience, the January February type time is more like throwaway movies that they don't think are gonna be stronger later on in the year. It's kind of like how October used to be. Like people would release blockbusters in October because they're like horror movies aren't shit anymore. But uh, obviously. Horror movies are going through a lot of people call it, Renaissance periods, Golden Age, Resurgence, whatever you want to say. Horror is real good right now. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that we would have one so early and in this empty slot. Um, I believe last year, 2018, we started the year off with uh, – correct me if I'm wrong, but it's either The Cloverfield Paradox The Surprise – Or it was Insidious, The Last Key. Well, let's say in in theaters, it was definitely Insidious, The Last Key, which I think most people forgot about as the year went on. Yeah, I
1: was one of those people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not that it was a bad movie. It was a nice installment into the franchise. But then when you stack it against all the other films that happened, it it, it was an entry. It was solid. But, you know, it had to take a backseat. Yeah, Definitely.
1: But yeah, I'm like sitting over here, I'm like, wait,
0: that came out last year? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I wish it was stronger in my mind. I know I watched it. I have not revisited it. Um, but it's not, it wasn't a bad movie. I just just wasn't big enough or it didn't do well enough. Oh, for me, in my mind. So how has your new year been, Ash?
1: So far, it's been pretty good. I can't complain right now. We'll see how it plays out.
0: All right. So when we were talking off air, you mentioned that you got a new trailer for uh, The Prodigy, which would be our next theatrical release for horror. uh, Next month, right? The first week of next month? I believe so. And I'm super pissed because we went and saw the movie, and we've talked about this before, where I guess depending on your market, you get different trailers. Because I didn't get a Prodigy trailer at all.
1: Yeah, like, I, um, with this movie, uh, it's pretty much like the same trailers they've been shown for, like, all the past movies, and then you had the new trailer for the Prodigy. So with this one, it was actually, it went more into depth of the movie. Because, like, with the first trailer, you just saw the mom standing in the hallway with the, the kid, Miles, I believe, and mm-hmm. you have, like, the the perfect jump scare. And that was the first trailer. But with this one, you, like, see, like, the backstory of the family. So it, look, okay. it actually looks really promising. I'm at, I, I can't wait for this to come out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, it seems like I think a lot of sc- movies with scary children depends a lot on the children themselves and the acting job that they do. Like anything can have a jump scare. But the the kid does seem to play or portray a darker element in the trailers, at least. So it has me excited. Like, it, uh, what is it? Pet Cemetery comes out in April. And that's another thing I'm kind of worried about. Like Cage scared me in the original like I was not right after I saw the first <laughs> cemetery and um I was actually talking to my sister over the holiday break and she she remembers it from her childhood Fucked her up just the same and it's like awesome that that can happen to two different generations like we've never even watched a movie together but it's like it terrified her it messed with me so this one has a lot to live up to in my opinion
1: yeah I can't oh yeah, I saw they showed the trailer for Pet Cemetery. It was just like the same one that they've been showing over and over. But it just seems like every time I see it, I get more and more hype for it. It's just, I just, I hope they do it justice. We deserve it.
0: I mean, the trailer does make it look good. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I feel like I'm wavering already. Like, it, it looks great. But it's just a lot to live up to because everyone, regardless of who you are, whenever there's a remake, reimagining, whatever we're calling it, you always compare it to the original. It's hard for people. I guess if you're under the age of 10, you know, that's your first and only. You've probably never heard of the Stephen King book. You probably never watched the 80s film. And you snuck into your parents' room or your older siblings' room while they were watching it. And that's the way it's going to play out. And it might scare them. But for us older people... (laughs) it's like, uh, this one either is going to do it or it's not going to do it.
1: Oh, that kind of just like crushed my little heart right there when you said older people. (laughs) 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 I don't like that.
0: (laughs) I, I, I just mean it in the aspect of as the world continues to age, we have new viewers coming on board. They get to discover these films that we all already know through and through, but for them, chances are most kids will see a remake before they see the original. And then oh, yeah. probably not want to watch the original because they're not a fan of, uh, uh, practical effects or they don't like how old it looks and dated it is, or they don't recognize the songs that were popular at the time. Uh, I would say that's probably true for every movie made in the nineties minus screen. Like all of those things are very dated to the time. Um, and maybe Gail Weathers' hair. But that's completely A <laughs> oh. uh, uh, One trailer that I did get, and I'm not sure if we've talked about it on the show before, but we got the trailer for Intruder, or The Intruder, with Randy Quaid. Uh, yes. And I know I put it, it's been on the website, but I completely forgot this movie was coming out. And nothing about maybe the premise of Uh, Megan Good and Meggie or Michael Ealy being on screen again really intrigues me like Dennis Quaid looks fucking creepy as shit
1: oh yeah he's he's gonna steal the movie like forget about the other two actors like
0: it's gonna be all about him yeah I mean like every part of this trailer is just like oh I want to see this movie I know they can't act for shit but I want to see this movie for him (laughs) Like Even the part where you know people are going to compare it to The Shining when he's busting through that door, I wasn't mad at it. I was like, Jack Nicholson isn't the only one that can break down a door and look scary as shit. I'm fine with it. Like I am excited for May to come. I'm not trying to blow by these other movies. I'll be probably the first person wanting to see Happy Death Day to you. But when May gets here, I will be ready to watch this. Uh, and this is what I guess the general point is is that Horror is exciting right now. I've never gotten this excited about in a, a PG-13 movie. <laughs> and we're uh,
1: really kind of hard on the PG-13 movies.
0: Yeah, but I mean, when you have PG-13 with good acting, it, it makes a hell of a difference. Because then it's not just a cash grab. You actually invested in the film um, versus you investing in teenagers spending their parents' money. <laughs> We all know Sony did last year. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that is off my high horse of horror to come for 2019.
1: Oh, you I forgot one to... thing. One of the oh. most important films that's coming out this year. I can't believe you forgot about it.
0: Uh you know what? Now I feel bad because I thought I covered the bigger name. God damn it. All right, on. put it on this.
1: Um, the trailer dropped for Jordan Peele's new film Us. Us. Business.
0: Oh my god!
1: I can't believe I forgot about that.
0: No, you are so right. I am so bad. I have been studying that uh, the poster for like ever because I, I know there's so many other things in there with those ink blots and the scissors. Um, not even yesterday, I think I saw an illustration. I want to say Jordan Peele put up an illustration. Of what the scissors represent. Like he, another artist did it, but it turns the scissors into the heads they're supposed to represent. And then the scissors, where you see us on the poster, is being rammed down someone's mouth.
1: Ooh, I did not see that.
0: Yeah, it's a, a darker interpretation. It's on, if you go to his Instagram, he reposted it. Oh, and yeah. I was, I've heard these theories about the scissors are supposed to be the people, and I get it. And one, um, I get that. And then when you see the same thing in the ink blots, I get that. Um, I did notice there seems to be a lot of bunny elements. And I don't know what that represents just yet. Maybe it's a Alice in Wonderland type uh, deal going on. I don't know. But my my mind's running overtime on this thing. I don't want to say too much yet. I'm not going to commit to it. Uh, I think another trailer would help me out in that aspect.
1: Yeah, it's just amazing how like one trailer like that. Just one trailer just has a lot of people already coming up with, like, theories of the film and everything.
0: And alternative artwork. Who who does that over a movie that no one knows anything else about other than Jordan Peele-owned Christmas? Like, when you messaged me and I realized that I missed it, I was, like, so upset with myself.
1: I was literally, like, I woke up. I was up for a little bit. I was like, let me check Twitter. And then, like, boom, the trailer was, like, the first thing that popped up. And I was geeking. And then, like, at the end of it, it's like, tickets on sale now. And best believe it, I bought my ticket. I will be seeing that a day early. So that's, I'm I'm just excited for that whole weekend because I'm seeing that on the March 13th. And then that whole weekend, I have Horror Hound. So it's going to be a good Oh, weekend. that's a
0: good way to start Horror Hound.
1: I know. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, I guess with that release date, there's no will. There's no real horror convention that would happen before where we premiere or festival, or not at the level of festivals I can attend. <laughs> there might be other <laughs> people in the world that get to go to those fun things, but not me. Um, but I am looking forward to it. what was it, uh, March fifteenth, March fourteenth, uh, whatever that Friday is. Yeah, March 14th.
1: Yes, March fourteenth.
0: Yes, definitely looking, looking forward to, Thursday, to it. Sean. Look at you! I, I don't even have a ticket yet. I gotta, I gotta get back on the internet and stop with this New Year, New Me shit. I, f- <laughs> I finally beat you year. at
1: something. I'm excited! Yay! You definitely
0: did. <laughs> uh, but you know, that's it's been a thing here. Like these, this will probably play. But like even Escape Room, initially I couldn't find it playing here. It's not in every theater. Um, I don't know if that's just people don't. Go to horror movies here, which is weird for Austin. Austin people, where you at? Getting into the swing of things. So, I mean, other than trailers uh, that have come out, or was there anything else that happened over the holiday break?
1: You had the uh, Shutter exclusive uh, Very Joe Bob Christmas that happened.
0: I actually have not finished that yet. I was very happy at the selection that he didn't go with the obvious. I know a lot of people were expecting Solid Night, Deadly Night. And uh, we got Phantasm. Oh, wait, have you seen it? Oh, too late. I already spoiled it. Phantasm.
1: <laughs> I think I made it through two of the films before I crashed for tonight. So I've seen yep. I've seen all the films except for like the newer newest one that came out. Probably what, it came out like a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. So I need to hop up on that and watch it, but. I mean, from what I've watched, it was pretty good. Like you I, I just love I'm I can't talk, sorry. <laughs> I was just really excited for the whole special because Joe Bob is just awesome and then he just knows a lot
0: about horror movies. Yeah, I I talked to some let's say younger people, and they seem to have a hard time wrapping their mind around that. The redneck Joe Bob is a character, like Larry the cable guy. Mm -hmm. Like, this guy is fucking smart and well read. And obviously, if you watch, you can see he knows his shit. Like, it isn't just like some dumb hick from Texas on the show. I wanna say he's from Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, he's funny. Like, he and he knows horror, and he can add those things to where you really wouldn't necessarily know. Uh, unless Joe Bob told you and there's a large generation of people that grew up on it. And um, I would just say I'm advocating for this. If you guys haven't seen one of the marathons, go watch it on Shutter. He's about to get a, a biweekly show. I, I um, want to
1: say it's weekly. Weekly. I want to say, I don't know, you might be right. It might be biweekly.
0: I could be wrong. I, you know, I'm not on top of my horror game right now. But yes, if you haven't watched any of his things, please go watch it. It's awesome. You You would not be disappointed. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I have anything else to share. All right,
0: well, let's get into it then. The main event, Escape Room. Official theatrical film that was released this year first in horror. I thought that... uh, I forget his name. Uh, Apatow? Something like that? You... The the director's name?
1: Adam uh, Robitel or something. Okay,
0: there we go. Maybe I was combining the A with
1: Robitel.
0: Director, because it's not really notary. Other than, he did direct Insidious The Last Key, So two years in a row, Adam has started off the horror season. So to me, that's a little impressive or coincidental, or maybe if you were like, hey, he did pretty solid last year, we're going to give it to him again.
1: Yeah, that, that that's what I have written down is, Deborah Logan and Isidious. So, I don't know nothing okay. about him
0: besides those. <laughs> Escape Room is a story of six total people that end up being invited to a challenge in order to win ten grand. They all come from different backgrounds. They all have their individual stories. I guess that it delves in in and out of when it need be. Anyway, so they're invited to escape room, sitting in a waiting room, and then this isn't a spoiler or anything, they realize that the doorknob is an oven dial, right? They can't get out, they're trapped. And in begins the first puzzle, or escape room feat, whatever you gotta do challenge, of getting out of this room before it seemingly turns into an oven or burns you to death, something to that effect. Now, uh, in this film, um, I was very happy to see uh, Deborah Ann and Tyler. Yes. Uh, I like both of their previous works leading up to this. And Tyler really knows how to just lay into whatever genre he's into. Like he presents fun characters. I mean, he's looking a little bit old. I don't know how old he is, but he's not like that little chubby stoner dude. Like he was typecasted in so early in the 2000s. <laughs> uh, the other people Like Taylor Russell The protagonist I'm not really Familiar with her I didn't She
1: was in the Unauthorized Save by the Bell Movie She played Lark Voorhees Voorhees Yes
0: First of all I guess she does Kind of look like Lark Voorhees Like that's good Casting But now I'm afraid I want to know What was the Unauthorized Save by the Bell Movie
1: Oh it was just Your typical Lifetime Um <laughs> like movie it was pretty much based off of justin diamond or dustin diamonds um autobiography of being on a show and stuff it wasn't really that special
0: i didn't even know that was a thing but if it was a while ago i get it but like when you said lark royce or say about the bell obviously there's only one person of color but either way i was like damn she does look like lark royce <laughs> uh,
1: i mean she ooh, did a pretty duh. good job in the movie
0: in the Say by the mill movie or this one yeah
1: Oh, in both
0: movies. Okay. okay. All right. Stare the ship backwards. <laughs> um, so Taylor or Zoe in the film, she's this quiet, mousy. Um, I'm not saying this to be insultful, but in the beginning, I assumed she was somewhere on the spectrum. Like, because like, she's so reserved and it seems like right off the bat, you know she's intelligent. Mm-hmm. But she has something that inhibits her from acting normal around other social crowds. So that's where I thought the story was going, is that uh, Rain Man or Rain Woman was going to solve this mystery puzzle.
1: That's not the case. Made, they made that reference in the movie,
0: didn't they? Uh, so, yeah. They yeah. <laughs> they do. Which is why I I don't feel bad in referencing it, because that's what I was thinking. So I mean, it's, it's nice that the film pokes fun at it. But she is a regular human girl with no disability whatsoever. Trauma, but no disability. So I'm going to pause right there and ask you, what was your initial impression once you saw the film?
1: Uh, I pr- it's probably going to sound like everybody, everyone else's thought, but I was just like, oh, this is just like a knockoff version of Saw. Like Saw and Cube. Like, it's just like a softer PG-13 version of those two
0: movies so like you know it's funny you say that because I saw one review um and it kind of got me thinking I agree with Cube I do not agree with Saul. Saul was meant for sacrifice it wasn't meant for death it was their choice if they died he just asked them to give up something that they valued and they could live as we go into this film you see that it's not designed for people to live Spoiler alert! I so think <laughs> that's where it differs, or it's not like Saw, because there isn't any torture in here. There isn't no. any. Sacrifice. You don't really
1: see like you don't really see like with Saw you see blood guts all that stuff. With this film, you don't really see a lot of gore. Yeah, which is, it's just which straight was up surprising. Death, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I was just getting like the whole like cube vibe of it. Um,
0: Uh, definitely if you guys have never seen the 97 film and the sequels that transpired I could be wrong 98 97 let's say
1: yeah uh, go
0: watch it those movies are awesome I remember uh, one night late night watching Cinemax um, and it was I want to say the Cube 2 was on and I was just like what is this (laughs) and I was so fascinated by it and then of course when it ended i was like oh wait i gotta see the other ones um and they did not disappoint like when i finally got to the original one i was like no this is fucking awesome i can't believe that i completely missed the cube franchise if you want to call it that um
1: it's a really good franchise and they're actually getting ready to do a remake of it
0: and i'm fine with that that especially if escape room does well might as well it's the right climate for it um I, I would even be fine if they just did a part four. Mm-hmm. Or I forget how you do that because maybe it's really just part three because one's a prequel. Whatever the sequential order is. I do get the cube thing. Yes, and... I... Go ahead. One other film, but I'm going to save that for later. Uh-oh.
1: I I don't know if I, I have a feeling what you're going to say, but I, yeah, go ahead, and save that for later. <laughs> but, um yeah with this film like with the characters they kind of um like my first thought I'm like oh this character is gonna be this and oh this character is gonna be like that but they completely flipped the script on me cause like with the trailers I thought um, Deborah, Deborah Wall's character Amanda was gonna be like the the bad bitch of the group or like the like just tough chick in the film but
0: Mhm. But, yeah, they did a complete 360 on me with the with that, with the characters. Yeah, I would say that was a, uh, I don't want to say plot twist, because you kind of realize early on that she's a weaker character. But I would say, yes, they definitely used her, let's say, star power to finagle a false sense of security as to where her character was going. Huh, I, that's the best way I can sum it up for myself. Because <laughs> the way it went, I was like... <gasps> Shit. It's like that sucks, but I, I guess she was never on the poster anyway. So
1: yeah. But I um, yeah, I came and like watching the movie like with not a lot of thought into it. So I mm-hmm. made sure like I was open minded. Cause I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm pretty I'm pretty much a hard critic when it comes towards like um PG thirteen like horror movies. I'm a tough critic on it so I was like, you know what? Let me just be nice for once and see how it is and yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it for a PG-13 movie, it wasn't bad. Um I'm not I don't I don't think even if there was more gore or gore period, I don't think it would help the the film. So I I'm, I'm fine with the PG-13. Like I don't think any sex or amount of boobs or anything would have made sense. So there's no real need for it. It's probably fine the way it is. Like, I don't need to see a director's cut of this,
1: <laughs> I don't think Ever. that's gonna be needed. I Go was ahead. surprised with the budget of the film. They only had, what was a $9 million budget?
0: I could see that because for the most part, except for a couple exterior shots, it's all in this whatever warehouse or what have you. Six main characters and then maybe four side characters yeah so you figure like it's not really a lot yeah it's right. probably most of the money in cgi just making these things happen
1: so what were your thoughts about the movie before you watched it
0: uh before i watched it i assumed that there was going to be more of a psychological connection to it for the the movie right mm-hmm. kind of like what um Semi-along the lines of what Netflix has done with Band or Snatch, And for you guys who don't know, the latest episode of Black Mirror is a separate movie kind of entity where you get to choose your own adventure. So I thought they would kind of make some callbacks to stalling for time so to see if the audience will figure out the puzzle or the clue or something like that. Maybe in audiences where people, like, yell at the screen. <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm pretty sure once, uh, you know, they're in their technical second room, like I was like, oh, yeah, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I don't even think they needed the other clues, Um, which I thought was weird, again, because it's like you'll go down in history and no one's like even like soon as you read that, you start humming the song. Or I think most people do, especially this close to Christmas. So I was thinking it would be a little more engaging that way, but it's fine if it wasn't because, you know. Six years from now, people aren't going to be... It's not a Christmas movie. I guess, technically, it's a Thanksgiving movie. Um, so they their on Thanksgiving break. It's a stretch, but I'm going for it. But, for me, the movie left a great impression. I like what it does. It's kind of refreshing. You know, Escape Room's... I want to say the character, Nick? Was he the... or no, Danny. Nick's his real name.
1: Yeah, Danny, Danny. a.k.a. Gamer Boy.
0: Yeah, very excited He obviously is supposed to be reflecting People who do do this And go to multiple escape rooms And are keeping track of their records And such Um, I didn't really like his Character backstory So if you haven't watched the movie Now's the point to stop Pause, come back to us later Because we're going to get into What's
1: going on. Hello, hello Hi, Brandon.
0: Brandon. Sorry, work held me up. What's up, guys? Hi. Welcome. So we're in the explanation. Our spoiler hats are off. We are exploring why Danny's character may exist. Okay, so this is a good topic for me to
2: discuss. <laughs> Jump right in. So let's go ahead and talk about Danny's character. Um. Make note, I saw this movie with my wife, not fiance anymore. My wife. Congratulations. Thank thank you. And I saw it with my Um, sister-in-law. There's a lot of talk about why he exists and everything else. Um, So after, you know, discussion, debate, heated arguments, as I like to put it, because I was very mad about it. the purpose of danny's character existing is he added that fun kind of happy element to the beginning of the movie to kind of not creep that creep people out if that makes any sense yeah because if you think about it like this he was the out of everyone that was there All the candidates. He was very happy, go lucky. He was excited. He was, like, super thrilled to just be there in the escape room. If you watch the movie, you see how everyone treated him. They're like, oh, you're just a dumb kid. But, no, I feel like he was a very crucial part to the whole movie. I mean,
0: you brought something different to my attention. But, Um, because he was more of a punching bag in the beginning. Like, Ash pointed out how they never addressed him by his name until... I don't know, five minutes before his demise, really. So, but you just made me think of why, and I'll get to it in a second. Go right ahead. Okay, so, if you think about it,
2: um, Danny represents every normal person that goes to an escape room. He is the, the population. He's the civilian where it's like, I'm just so excited for this. I can't wait for this. This is going to be awesome. Whereas, you know, everyone else that was there they're like, "No, nah, I'm in it for the money." He was just in it
1: for like the cred, for the street cred of it.
2: That's exactly that's exactly it because he mentioned he's like, "Do you know how much street cred we'll get if we get through this alive?" Yes. Complete the whole room and it's not a matter of, "Oh, well, he wasn't he, he wasn't in it for the money." It's more of a matter of he represents the current US population
0: where it's like I'm just doing this for shits and giggles no I do think that there is something to be said for that and I'm actually smiling because it's like <laughs> maybe it clicked I don't know but oh god Grace uh, smiling this is bad <laughs> uh no I was I was I think maybe his character once we get his backstory of why he is selected you then paired with what you just said. I think he is the only one in the group that realizes he's lucky and that's why he's just enjoying everything because he could have died years ago with the rest of his family. Mm-hmm. So it gave him this outlook on life of, yeah, these people are picking on me, but I'm still going to have a good time because I'm alive. Like I could be dead and they can still call me a nerd or all the other nicknames I kept calling him, which some were hilarious Uh, but I'm alive and that's why he was so in denial about oh we're gonna die like even after the first room which I was talking to Ash about um we're gonna talk
2: about the first room the first room was meant for um my boothang, Amanda. Amanda awfully scrumptious might I add (laughs) but it was meant for her because she was in an IED blast where literally it melted her skin. You see all the scars on her back from just how bad the IED blast was. And once again, you're talking to a veteran here. Um, I, I, I mean, I've never been involved in one, but I've heard and I've seen the damage that an IED blast can do. If you go back and you know you look at everything, you see her start freaking out. As soon as the heat kicks in. Yep. And she's like, oh god, I, I have to get the fuck out of here. But, you keep on going, everything's going, well, I wouldn't say well because, you know, you're dealing with human lives. But, it's going better than expected. No one has died yet. And she has a PTSD moment where she can see herself, because you had the flashback. You can see her crawling out of her humvee and she has that what the fuck? what's going on oh god look that well to be honest most veterans have when it comes to something that serious that grave i can put most of the rooms in order because the first room was definitely meant for amanda because mm-hmm. you see her she comes in and she's looking at the magazine and it's um if the i chicago remember correctly fire. yeah chicago fire and they see a they see like this this fire this burning background in the in, in the magazine and she's like starts breathing heavy She starts panicking a little bit you see her she starts like kind of like freaking out and I'm like this is her room oh god of course you know I didn't say that until after the movie but I'm
0: like she had some stuff going on that makes her relate to this because yeah I mean you're right the Chicago fire the other ones at singe. Uh, And there was one more, I can't think of what it said, but they all pointed to fire. And fire doesn't necessarily mean carbon monoxide. Exactly. I saw it with
2: my sister-in-law and my blind brother-in-law who, make note, he coined the the first room as the Easy Bake Oven Room. And I was like, (laughs) that's golden. I like that, yep. Yeah, because that's really what it was. Fourth room? Where they're all in the hospital bed. Okay, well, fifth room if you want to, like, count the little in-between area. Um, The miner who he watched his brother die from oxygen asphyxiation. Then you have Danny, who almost died from carbon monoxide poisoning. It's still a lack of oxygen. Yeah. And so it was meant for both of them like it was very clear after i watched the movie of course and i'm sitting here reviewing all the notes i took in my mind i i literally have written down so much stuff but it was meant for them because poison's going to fill the room and yep. i'm sh- i'm sure if
0: danny was alive at that point in time that would have been a moment where he would have freaked out yeah i mean i could see a completely different narrative that way because Given Mike's background and Danny's background, if they were both in the room, it would have replayed Mike's situation. Only one of them got to live. There was only one oxygen tank, so they would have both, in theory, been in there. One of them would have freaked out. One of them would have got the oxygen. I just need to know his backstory. <laughs> yeah, that that's just been bothering me. Nice. Well, I mean, that's why I think it's still possible. Like, if there has to be a little bit of discovery once we go to. Um, all right. For example, I have a theory that not everyone has to be dead. So there's oh. that.
1: Maybe he's a game oh. master. All
0: right. I mean, we can. We'll get there.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, we'll get to that point eventually, because I have so many things to say about it. The part that becomes prevalent in this section is that obviously this is Jason's room. Like he, he definitely seems a character that he's an alpha he's likes notoriety but he's not about helping anyone but himself exactly um which if you guys paid attention in the beginning you kind of realize that he's not a good person and that he's definitely a cheater
1: oh yeah i got that from the first like first moment they like talked about him but I guess he likes the Karate Kid so that's a good thing
0: was he watching that no that was Ben no he recommended it yeah oh yes
1: there's like the whole like Karate Kid dialogue like.
0: which I haven't found and maybe Brandon you have a the reference in that or how it relates
1: yeah I had that written down on like my notes I was like there has to be some type of clue for them to keep bringing up the karate kid
2: um so I haven't found it like per se like you know in text however I have my speculations of course (laughs) so so if you look at it because he mentions Mr. Miyagi too, because he made the whole metaphor, a beautiful metaphor, might I add, to one of his co workers where it's like, I'm like the Mr. Miyagi of this. And they're like, Wait, what do you mean? It's like, What year were you born in? Um, so, of course, he paid homage to the Karate Kid. But it skipped to the screen where you see Ben watching the Karate Kid while he's at work. Right. Um, so uh, uh like obviously he's trying to say to all viewers like yo I'm the master I'm the best at what I'm doing right now. It's him putting himself up on that alpha male totem that we all know so well where he's like I'm the best at this no one can top me period I'm great. However um in the Karate Kid movie if I recall correctly Even though Mr. Miyagi is like 95 years old, that's kind of uh, exaggeration. He still keeps practicing his art at that point in time. um, I still forget his name because I hate him so much. I'm sorry. Yeah, I hate Jason (laughs) with a passion. Um, Jason, he got to this point where he stopped practicing. He stopped going through with his art because he thought he was the best. But look at the Karate Kid movies, there's no such thing as the best. You can only get better and better and better and improve. So if you go back and look at old Chinese movies, old Kung Fu movies, no matter what, it doesn't matter how old they are, they they stay practicing. And that was a moment of his failure, which I can link that to one of the rooms that we will probably talk about Later on in this discussion
0: Like I said, I have a lot to say <laughs> <laughs> And listening to you say that It actually makes me think of His arrogance makes him think He's Mr. Miyagi But really, he's Johnny exactly. Johnny thinks he's a karate kid But Johnny cheats And that's why Johnny can never win Daniel wins In which Ben, and Ben's watching it Because as we learn from the cold open Ben makes it to the end so like exactly. Ben wasn't shit, but he learned enough along the way to become Daniel and survive. Perfectly. And that's 30-second stretch. That could be nothing. <laughs> it's all based on Brandon's theory, but it sounds good and plausible.
2: Like I said, literally, we're in the movie theater. I'm with my wife. I'm with my sister-in-law. I'm with my blind brother-in-law. And, of course, there's a lot of of terms coined because my brother-in-law, is he's only 15, but mm-hmm. the, the the kid is very smart in his ways. He may label things as very, um, simplistic. Example, the Easy Bake Oven Room. But yeah, that's perfect. it's still, he's still super smart. And I'm just saying here like, kids, I'm taking so much from you right now and you don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, if we're still talking about the third room, which yes, that's the whole ice room, because, I mean, let's just be honest here. Um, me, my wife, my sister-in-law, we talked about it. With the second room, i, I you can't see the air quotes when I have them in there. Um, <laughs> it was literally 100% meant for Ben to kind of realize everything that happened Because, of course, you know. You see the signs. You'll go down in history. And everyone's like, oh, well, what presidents? They're thinking about big things. These huge, like, monumental statues. And Ben's like, it's Rudolph. I was sitting
1: there like, oh, it's Rudolph.
2: Because as soon as I saw you'll go down in history, I'm like, fucking Rudolph. That's a Christmas sign. I I know
0: exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yeah I think the whole thing was an analogy for Ben and that's why like you said does this room count or does it not really count but that's a tribute to how simple Ben's fuckups are like Ben could just yes. do better it's he, not he's not in this monumental thing of making huge decisions he just makes bad decisions and that's right. the kind of the thing uh, <clears> of <throat> like you said they're thinking presidents when really it's something as simple as you learn in your childhood right it's simple analogy. For the fact that, because um,
2: if you notice, everyone's everyone's kind of, um, for lack of a better term, PTSD moment was huge. Except for Ben's. Of course, we don't know Danny's because we don't know Danny's backstory. Ben was like, I want to take everyone on a joyride. I want to have a good time. And, of course, he was intoxicated. Um, and so you see him. It was something that was very simple where it's like, hey. You're drunk. Don't drive. Simple. But in Ben's mind, because he is an alcoholic, which once again something I can relate to, um, he it, it's not that simple. So, I like, if you notice throughout the whole movie, everyone like sees him as this degenerate, this kind of like black sheep out of the whole. Flock, but he saw that as a big deal. He's like, "I got the answer immediately." It snapped. It was there was no hesitation, there was no thinking about it or anything like that. Like great example, the first room. All the accidents having Everything else said for we already know it was meant for my boo Amanda, <laughs> my, my wifey. Because oh. I'll be honest. Ob- I'm we'll get back you. to that. Don't tell. I mean, she was with me. I'm like, <laughs> was like, the whole time she was like, damn. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm so into this right now. This is perfect. Um, but it was meant for her. And you see Ben, and this is where Ben shows how committed he is to anyone he knows He poured out the rest of the whiskey he had in this flask to make sure everyone survived. Period. And, of course, you know, you have people who will argue this, but for someone who suffers from alcoholism, that's a big deal. Right. It wasn't survival for him because he was the second to last to crawl through. I think Danny was the last one to crawl through, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Because he, he's like, oh, God, what do I do? You know, if Zoe wasn't sitting here giving Amanda water the whole freaking time, we'd be fine. And you see this man pour out the last of his whiskey, the last of his, his medicine, if you will, to make sure everyone survived.
0: That's a big deal. So my question to that effect is that... I- why did no one just piss in the glass? <laughs> okay. I mean, at the end, so. <laughs> you have Ben and Danny. Like, they can do it.
2: So, I'll be the first one to say it. The whole time we were watching that scene, I was like, just pee in the glass. Pee in the glass, you'll be fine. Let's go ahead. Pee in the glass. It's cool. Uh-uh. Pee in the glass, you'll be A-okay. But they didn't. And I was, um a little upset I'm sorry I have dogs it happens but no literally if they peed in the glass during that scene I was like this will all be cool but no one did and I think that they were trying to draw into Ben's character
0: yeah I I get I can understand the exposition of it I mean otherwise why even bother showing him drinking on the job which I thought was a, a dumb insert in the beginning because I was like, "You're telling him you won't promote him because he's drinking while working, but you won't fucking fire him." Like I thought that was the weirdest exchange. But obviously, 20 minutes later, you see why they had to well, there introduce was no that purpose
2: to it because they yeah. wanted to show, yes, this man's an alcoholic, but at the same time, they wanted to show that this man still has has brains. He still has a brilliant mind. Um... Once again, that's something I'll get into later on in this podcast. But he, they wanted to show hey, this man's super smart about everything he does, even though he does not recognize it.
0: So then that moves us on to room three. Yeah, is she four next? They all get these puzzle boxes. And to them, it's giving them the delusion the that they're solving it. But if you string all the scenes together, you can see that they're just triggered to open. So it makes it seem like they're making their way, but really it's just opening. And the reason I call it a puzzle box, because all you Hellraiser fans probably caught it, that when Jason cheats, he's watching a Hellraiser puzzle box video. It's blurred out, but anyone can recognize a golden box when you see it. And I believe the reason for this is for something else. This movie does call on Hellraiser. Ash, as we were talking earlier, I was saying there's one more movie. It's definitely Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. But that's when I started to put it together that he cheats. And the same thing when they asked him how did he get the cut on his hand. He lies about how that happened. And then he has to explain how it happened. And then they still have to ask him again, was it really him swimming away or did you kill him? And it's... I forget, he gave some basic survival of the fittest answer at that point. Yes.
2: Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm, once again, super passionate about this movie. So when he <laughs> explains it, he says, like, hyperthermia, which this is very true. Hyperthermia makes you see things and makes you do things that are not normal. He tried to blame it on his college roommate, which, once again, it's a believable thing because these are all true things about hypothermia. However, right. comma, you go ahead and you see everything that's going on in the movie that we will discuss later on. And there was a moment that my sister-in-law pointed out that was very, very specific, where he's like, survival is a choice, and he has been by his neck, up against the wall. He says, survival is a choice. And so during that, I'm sitting here like, This man chose to survive and sacrifice his best friend, his best friend, to make sure he lived. Now, me being me, you know, if it's me and my best friend, Ash, you know who my best friend is, Jacob Allen. um, I would be like, nah, I'm gonna go ahead and die. Screw that. I'm not about this life. You need to live. I really don't care. You live, buddy. I got you. But you see two different versions of the flashback. You have it where his roommate's wearing the the um, winter coat and he's wearing the winter coat which shows that that alpha male stance where it's like, no matter what, I will survive. You are weak. I am strong. Which is something that in the movie I thought was very beautifully just acted out because in most situations you don't you don't see both sides of the story. This is the one time where you get both sides. Everything's clear,
0: concise. Yeah, you didn't really need that. It didn't really have to do it, but it helps that it did.
2: Yes, and the reason why it helps is because even though, yes, those things that happened to you during hypothermia are true, it was more of a matter of, so what was this really about? Did you want to live or was it that your best friend sacrificed himself? Which, anyone who has a best friend, they're gonna question that. I've known my best friend since I was in eighth grade. I'm just like, nah, he would definitely be like, hey, I'm gonna go ahead and die. You just go ahead and keep that coat, stay warm. I'll be in your spirits, buddy. And he would swim away and hope for the best. So I would do the same thing for him. However, I, I just don't like this dude. He will now go as, homie dude, to me for the rest of this podcast <laughs> um, he didn't really care he was like this is about me 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 all about me i'm the greatest and that's why he was willing to sacrifice his best friend which once again most people will question it whether it's like what story is true because once again um we're, we're we're going backwards in time i apologize um and the. Uh, third room if you look at it like that where they're all on ice he freaks out he's like hey I'm cold give me that coat
1: oh yeah he was he was he was very
2: added. right definitely trying to trigger him yeah yes that was their goal period so they they did that to I feel like they did that to kind of see if he had changed but at the same time they're like look if he trips nah we know he hasn't changed this is gonna be good this is gonna be good good
0: so it really makes you think we have more complexity than you actually most people are actually going to think about i mean the movie was almost two hours long but there's was, a lot to what's that
1: oh no i was just gonna say i was really surprised that it was almost two hours long
0: yeah i mean here we are probably an hour into talking about it and we're not even quite halfway into the rooms. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: are what, What's this room 4? We're on no, I guess we, 5. Mhm. No, it should be,
2: well, okay. So, from a technical aspect, it's room 4. Literal aspect, it's room 5. We're in the uh, billiards room, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, I love uh, this room was done perfectly for anyone who has ever served. Shout out to the veterans. What's up? I see y'all. But this room was meant for Zoe because mm-hmm. you walk in, everything's upside down. And they're like, "Uh, what the fuck's going on? Um, but at the same time, you notice this is where Zoe is the calmest of all the scenes because she's like, hey, I've been in a situation like this before. Let's go ahead and do what we need to do. Because once again, you saw the the flashback moment where, you know, the plane happened and she's upside down and she's freaking out. And this is where character development and my own happiness comes in. Because even though, yeah, she's upside down, life sucks. She's like, I'm in this escape room with a whole bunch of strangers. She already knows what to do, which I'll get to that in a little bit. And they're like, oh, God, what do we do? What do we do? Oh, man. And she's like, hey, I got this. And the moment I knew that my future wife was a real trooper was... The floor fell out, and yeah, she freaked out a little bit, but she was still calm. She was like, all right, so we have a safe up here. Let's go ahead and try and crack this while everyone else is freaking out still. This is one of those things where I absolutely just applaud character development because it's where you truly see um, Zoe and Amanda shine. Well, one of the moments where Zoe shines, but this is the moment where Amanda shines. Because she was the first one to go. She goes and she just pulls herself up on the pool table. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, God, you're going to die. But once again, she has that veteran mindset where it's like, no, we all live together or we all die together. Period. Or I'll be the only one that something happens to. That way, the rest of my team members, my squad mates, can live.
1: She kind of had that mindset when... um Danny fell through the ice And she's like oh I'm going to jump in there and get him Mm -hmm.
2: The only Reason why she stopped was because Homie dude As I said before That's how we're going to reference him Homie dude stopped her Because I mean once again you're speaking to a veteran In person That would have been my first instinct was I'm going to dive in after him and save him We're not leaving anyone Behind period whatsoever. Um so back to the third room. I have to like calm myself. I'm getting super passionate. Um, in the third <laughs> room, you know, you have the upside down room and it's kind of it's kind of weird and trippy. Um so Zoe is like, Hey, I noticed this thing on the wall. And if you can look at it very clearly, it's a whole bunch of like mixed up like old school records that have won some type of award in some way, shape or form. She, and she's like, it's a puzzle. No one else noticed that. Um, and so she starts sliding them around while you have my wife, Amanda sitting here right in front of the safe has not moved. Everyone else is moving, scattering, doing whatever they need to do to survive. However, if you notice, Zoe and Amanda, they're like, no, we know what we need to do to get out of here. Throughout the whole scene, you know, Zoe's solving this puzzle. She's doing great. And then she falls. And that's where the whole plane moment clicks, because I'll be honest, I did not understand it. I did not. I I refused to understand it because I was so enwrapped in this movie until it was upside down. She shows Everything that's happening, she's trying to talk to her mom and everything else. I'm like, shit, she was upside down for God knows how long. Because in the next scene, you see where she's like, yeah, I was left by myself until the doctors came and got me.
1: Yeah, she said it was like, what, a week or two? So they found her?
2: I think it it was a week. So that means for a week, she was seeing everything upside down. She had to look at her dead mother's face upside down the whole time. So it was something that even though it's horrible for her, reference the beginning of the movie where, you know, the mirror is shaking and she's like, oh, God, not this again. She knows what's going on. She was like, hey, so we're upside down. Maybe the code's upside down. Try entering it backwards. And that's where everything happened. And this is where Uber goes ahead and shows out.
1: (laughs) Because...
2: Because she dropped the ball that had the key. This is the key to everyone's survival. She's like, "Oh no!" Emily says, "Don't drop down and get the key." And she's like, "Uh, you guys are gonna survive. I'm gonna get this damn key." Fubir drops down, grabs the key, throws a perfect baseball throw over to yes. Homie dude, and then the floor collapses. She's taken on by the telephone wire sure I know because Ben's reaching out with a cue stick like, hey, just grab onto it. We can pull you up. But once again, she's looking at the best chance of survival for the group, not her. She's like, okay, so if I grab this cue stick from Ben, there's like a 40-60% chance of survival. 40 being that we survive." She's like, nah, it's not worth it. And she's like, you'll be okay. You're good. You'll be alright. And she lets herself drop. And that is, once again, the veteran's mindset, where it's like you look at for the, group, the good of the group, not for yourself. Of course, everyone was very upset, heartbroken, whatever it may be. We'll go ahead and revert back to the first scene where we met her. She was a dick to Ben, and she was a dick to Danny. Mm-hmm. And I love Danny. But she, like, even when Danny like fell underneath the water, she was the first one to freak the fuck out and try to save him.
0: Yeah, true. I mean, she was definitely always looking out for everyone else versus herself. One thing that I do want to mention about this, and for me, it's the coolest scene I've ever seen in a horror movie, is when she's opening that safe in an upside down room, upside down, and then the camera right side up. So you're like double upside down in the shot, so it looks like she's hanging upside down, right side up. And I thought that was the coolest fucking thing. And I didn't realize it at first until she drops the eight ball or the eight ball falls into her hands.
2: I'll be the first person to admit it. It confused the living hell out of me because I'm like, am I upside down? Where's <laughs> is it the camera? Like, I was literally confused.
1: That would have been perfect for like 3D or something like
0: that. Oh, yeah. So the other thing I want to mention is that we do have the song Downtown Blame and if you Uh, guys noticed what's that
1: i said uh seventh grade choir
0: So (laughs) so then the song there's like a buzzer and then the song starts and if you listen to the lyrics and apply it to that room it's clues like there's a lyric about sticking to the sidewalk there's a lyric about how can you lose if you pay attention to the bright lights um there's something like don't hang around and let your problems get you down like Amanda's last scene. So I think that that's why it keeps repeating because the uh, room is trying to help them, but they're just thinking it's loud noise. I believe when it first started playing, they all cover their ears.
1: They're like, turn like they're that music
0: help. Yeah, because Ben specifically says, can we change this fucking stupid, shitty song? Uh, you sound just like him. <laughs> I try, that's so, what I do. It makes me think one that the runes are solvable by multiple means. And two, that maybe not everyone's dead. Okay, you'll bring it around full circle. I'll wait. I'm getting somewhere. I'm excited right. about this. I like I said,
2: Wifey throws the most perfect fastball over to homie dude that I don't like. And she falls. And I like die a little bit on the inside Cause she was looking scrumptious Even with the burn marks she looked scrumptious She was a bad bitch um, And she throws with the key Now make note the whole time I was like you know Homie dude's not bad he's not bad He's not bad he's not bad But then he's like Cause I, I've noticed which With each room he had an excuse When someone died Where it's like oh so you want their like Death to go in vain you know, she died for a reason. Let's go ahead and get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, bro, that's not the that, that, that's not no. the right answer. So make note during the billiard scene, I was um, I was quite livid to
0: to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, it keeps building his backstory of he just doesn't give a fuck what happened. He's going to survive in his mind exactly cuz once again he is
2: the alpha he's the dominant and he establishes that throughout the whole like every room because when something happens he well in the first room nothing no one died but he had all the smart ass comments which is his way of asserting dominance mhm because you think about it like this you have Ben who's kind of a a loner weirdo, if for lack of better terms um Danny's a fucking kid Zoe she's a college student but she's still gonna like chuckle Amanda she's a veteran with dark humor she's gonna laugh then you have the minor where uh, I'm sorry I always forget his name um I don't remember his name I'll be honest but the minor he's he's like Mike Thank you, yeah. um, Mike. He he laughs because Mike laughs at everything. That's how he how he copes. So already you have everyone laughing at the jokes he made. He already established dominance in the group before True. anything ever started, and that's what he does. Because if you go back in time and look at how he is in the office, he's talking to his clients. He's not he's not genuine with his clients. He has this cocky. I know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Attitude, the whole time for me that's the a flag where it's like, oh god, this guy's gonna be all about himself, gonna be super involved with himself, and I'm gonna hate him. And once again, the movie painted that character perfectly because they were dead on. I wanted to punch him in the throat. Everything <laughs> he talked. All right, but yeah, um, Homegirl sacrificed herself after Zoe realized. And gave her the hint like, hey, it's upside down Let's go ahead and try and put the code in upside down She goes ahead and she falls to her death Which made me very sad I may have shed a single tear We're not going to talk about that But they go into the next room
0: So the next room is the hospital room In which uh, I had pegged wrong As to who was for what originally But I guess this goes back to the Asholish moments of Jason is that instead of ever volunteering himself as tribute, he just selects people and it's like, hey, I don't know what this is gonna do, but you're gonna do it and I'm not. When the whole time he is the key to it. Yeah, exactly. And um,
2: I'll say this, even though I'm not proud of it, the first moments I saw it, like, don't get me wrong, it has a connection to both. Mike, Danny, and Jason. Because, think about it. Danny died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Well, he was supposed to die from carbon monoxide poisoning. And he's in this room, and it's going to fill with poison. This is something he's already been through. I'm sure that if he was still alive, he would have those flashbacks. While with Mike, he was trapped in a mine, and everything collapsed. And his brother's right next to him. It's already hard to breathe in the first place, so you go ahead and have everything collapse on you where you're pinned. It's gonna be super duper hard. So it's something that would make him freak out. Which you notice when Danny's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not Danny." When um, homie dude, as I like to call him, because um, <coughs> he volunteered first. Like, hey, 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 you know, we need to make your heart rate super high. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, no, no, no!" And then he mentions the poison. And that's when you see Mike's, like, whole compassionate, caring character. Where he's like, you know, everyone's going to... I want everyone to live. I don't care if I die. Let's do this. And that's what it took. Because Homie Dude specifically referenced his brother dying in the mines. And he said, think about it. This is for him. He's sitting there hyping him up. Right. right. Thinking that a, a, you need a higher... Um, Uh, heart rate to get through it but then you see homie dude I will not call him by his actual name because I don't like him Um, you see homie dude he's like oh well if it's not a high heart rate even though Mike's on the table dead dead as hell but that's not important to him he's like Oh, it means a lower heart rate. So you see him, he goes ahead, he he meditates and everything else. Gives his heart rate super low. I believe it stopped at 50. And then it said success, and they opened the door. And that's what it took, which makes me kind of sort of really angry. But at the same time, I feel like that's what
0: the film directors were trying to do with his character. Yeah, if there's one character that they were successful for me, it was him.
2: I mean, uh, like, we'll get to Zoe in a minute, because once again, she's not Amanda. She's not wifey, but she's a strong potential, a strong potential. But, you know, you're going through the fourth room, and I think the thing that kind of um, struck me was that that's when kind of everything clicked for me, where it's like they have each one of our files on what happened, and that were the sole survivors. Yes. And that was literally the moment for me where, make note, I'm so happy I did not have popcorn in my lap. My wife was holding it. But I was like, oh, my God, it makes sense. <laughs> of course, you know, me being me, I'm like, why are they all in this room? This is like a whole giant group of misfits. But it made sense. They had something tying them together. They were the only survivors in each of their accidents.
0: So we don't ever get to find out who the billionaires are or rich people are. But there seems to be some type of organized order in which there was obviously a reconnaissance mission to even find these people and then learn everything about them to try and get the uh, best result, or what they deemed the best result, out of them. But I was like, at the end, when they reveal that, I'm like, I want to see that part. Like, <laughs> am, I, am I alone on that? Yeah. No, yeah, no, 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 no. You're
2: definitely not alone. Because I have a whole theory about this. Because, once again, uh, military, veteran... Uh, used to be an interrogator. So the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, they got their files off the dark web. They had to have gone to the dark web because that's the only way they would know all this stuff, dark web. Because in a specific scene that we will probably bring up later on, they say, oh, well, we have spectators. I fully 100% believe, yeah, this is something that's posted on the dark web where people are watching this for
0: their own entertainment. Um, it kind of sets privy to all the things that do go on and we have no clue about or the average person doesn't. Exactly. And they're they're they, that's
2: that's the thing that they're trying to relate to is that the average person does not know anything about the dark web because honestly, I would have had no idea until I joined the military and then I go on there and I'm like, you know, I wish I never logged on to this
0: ever. <laughs> I guess we should... Yeah, let's finish the rooms. So, uh, I see. getting... see one thing in there, though. One thing. What's that?
2: That's where where my second boo thing, Zoe, shines. Because she's like, we need to break the cameras. Everyone's like, dude, you're freaking the fuck out. Calm down. However, spoiler alert, even though we've had, like, so many spoilers throughout the show, <laughs> she's like, yo, we can do something with this. And she makes the tubing for the oxygen mask after breaking all the cameras. She she fools people and she mentions um, some type of theory that I totally forget at this point in time. was
1: like, it wasn't like quantum something?
2: Yeah, it was quantum something. I'm sorry, viewers. I think I there's totally a zero don't. in there. Yes. But she mentions it because she says no one will know what's actually happening because they can't see it. And she breaks right. all the cameras and then at the end of the scene you see her pass out but you see the oxygen tubing still and me being who I am like either she's really stupid or she's really smart <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up we'll probably touch on that later on but that was very very crucial
0: yes I think that they made that part a little too obvious like it would have been one thing if um, Jason and Ben had knocked that over as they were leaving the room and then it's kind of like okay we've seen it but this was like heavy foreshadowing like she seemingly passes out inches away from it so i feel like, like it was necessary
2: because once again throughout the whole movie um zoe is being undermined by everyone except for amanda yeah
1: zoe pretty much just like snapped at that scene.
2: That's one thing I will applaud the people who made the movie on, is that they made it seem like she was just like losing her fucking mind when really she she knew exactly what she was doing the whole time. I was watching, I was like, the fuck are you doing, chick? Calm the fuck down. Then I noticed, and I was like, oh, you smart. And she said one simple thing before everything happened. She said, just go. (laughs) Because with her saying that, she only had tubing for one oxygen mask. She already knew she was going to be the surprise.
0: I'm not going to disagree I that what her character was trying to do uh, was good. The intent that she even figured it out or just figured out a way to take control back, not necessarily figured out the puzzle. Right. That gets Jason and Ben to, I'm going to say, the zebra room. And I think that, um, I I just assumed there was going to be some type of trippy element. Like, you kind of have the juxtaposition of Ben looking up to, um, Jason, because they, whatever, perception, like, they were making, I can't use words correctly right now, but they were just trying to show you how each character sees themselves.
2: Right, um, for me, uh my brother-in-law, he called it the bad trip room. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, and of course, you know, like they walk into he's like bad trip room. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Calm down. Jesus. You don't even know what's going to happen. Then it happened. I was like, oh God, if I was on drugs, this would be a bad trip. Yeah. And the the key thing about it is you see homie dudes like s- true survival instinct because then you see the flashback of of what really happened in my mind, not what he said. Um, and once again, this is the moment where he takes Ben by his neck. He says, Survival is a choice. And honestly, I think during that scene, that's when something
0: clicked for Ben as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. There's definitely a um, him identifying his growth. Like as he's going through these rooms, he's kind of like the Daniel son. He doesn't realize that he's being Mr. Miyagi. He just thinks exactly. that he's surviving. But he really is learning how to fight for himself. Or just fight to be here, there, whatever the proper English is. But that was great character development.
1: Because oh, we already kind
0: of knew. I mean, if you looked at where the hatch was, you kind of already figured the next room was going to be the beginning of the movie. You kind of know he's going to win whatever happens. Because at the end of the movie, beginning of the movie that we saw, only one person dropped through that room. And it was yes. him. So maybe not everyone draws that same conclusion. But I do think just watching them fight, period. Like, I've never seen anyone fight while tripping balls. Just to imagine that was probably the most terrifying thing. Like, I couldn't imagine being on shrooms and having to fight for my life at all, let alone knowing what had already happened in the past five rooms.
2: I mean, I'll be honest with you, with what happened in the past rooms I can't even imagine being drunk and trying to fight for my life at that point, I'd be like, I'm already tired, dude, just take me please.
0: (laughs) I give up (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that room really was the least threatening room on the surface, so it could have just been like, hey, you go ahead, I'm just I'm done So let me go ahead and give you another viewpoint on this.
2: Once again, they said um, he had, like, three illegal substances in his system. I think that once, yes, there was something on it, but it was something mild. But when they opened the hatch itself, if you notice, that's when everything went trippy. I think it was, like, actual inhalants
0: where Mm -hmm. they breathed it in.
2: And it was like, oh, God were fucked up why else would you have a vacuum sealed hatch in a room like that you have to be storing something or waiting for someone to open it so that way you can release something upon them
1: exactly you think like the painting and all that stuff in the room like played a big part of it
2: I, I don't know if it did or not honestly upon first viewing I was like this is meant to trip them the fuck
1: out right <laughs> Like when you go to like a like a carnival, and you have to like you go into the fun house, and you right. walk across that bridge. And it's all like trippy and all that.
2: Well, I mean, I feel like that's what that whole room was, the whole purpose of that room was for. Because if you look at how everything happened, you know, you get past the whole scene of them fighting, and he takes the antidote. And you notice the floor is spinning still. It's not him coming down off the high. It's because the floor was actually spinning just like a funhouse,
0: house. Where it's meant to freak you out. Other than misinterpreting the method of ODing, I guess, on whatever drug it was. Or exposure, not ODing. Um, I think that this room was really... The point of the whole thing is that they itself, they were just trying to whittle down people. So that room was always designed for one person not to make it.
2: I'll get to that. Only
0: one person. Uh, (laughs) Ah. Yes, you only get a sound effect (laughs) because that's (laughs) the only way I can describe it. (laughs) Let's drop into the next room then because I'm curious. So we drop into the next room, right?
2: It's essentially the first scene in the movie where it's been trying to figure everything out. Um, so to fast forward a little bit, you have the walls just closing in on him shortly. Now, I'm going to go ahead and pause everything. Imagine this with four people. That fireplace that he like barely got into only had room enough for one person. That shield that he had could only shield... One person, right. So it doesn't matter if he had, you know, Zoe, Danny, and um, our favorite resident homeboy with him. There's only going to be one person that survived that, because after that is the, is the victory room, as I like to call it. Only one person was meant to survive that. Everyone else would have gotten crushed or burnt.
0: Well, yeah, and I, I mistook him being impaled. For his bone cracking or his oh, leg yeah. breaking, yeah, I did too because I was like, a "Homie broke something. He's not yeah, gonna so was, make it." That's exactly what I was thinking. And then, you know, fast forward about five minutes, I was like, "Did he just stab what? dude with his own bone? Because that's what? badass." <laughs> I'm like saying,
2: so "Like, yo, you a badass. You you have a place on the hall of fame in
0: my books." He does get out through this shield trap door that i'm still on it unclear if he knew if he found that or if he was just going for the last minute of cover like that scene was very compact
2: yeah what was that i don't think
0: that he knew it for me just because
2: of let's think about it as if it were us in that situation honestly i know me being who i am i definitely would have noticed oh there's a fireplace this is where the door is nah i'm like i'm gonna fucking die hey, this shield will probably stop it somewhat.
1: (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. And I I would have to watch the beginning of the film again because I didn't necessarily focus. I thought it was just the reveal of this escape room exist. Yeah. And uh, this was like a first test run. So like when he's entering those numbers, eight, six, four, whatever, um, I paid no attention to that. I'm not sure if those are the right numbers. Uh, But I have a feeling that on second look, it will relate some way back to the shield or in the room as to why that became an option. As he escapes this room or finds out he's escaped this room, we find out that Zoe is alive. And that she has bucked the system and her theory worked. She subdues two cleanup crew people and begins to make her way hopefully out of the maze. But when we come back to Danny and, let's say, the gatekeeper, um, this is where I would like to try and bring it full circle. So the gatekeeper works for Minos. And right. I'm not sure if you guys went to the website like I did, but if you go to MenosEscapeRoom.com, it's a real website that they put out for oh. the promotion of this film. And it gives you 90 seconds to solve a puzzle box, much like the one in the movie, uh, kind of like the eight ball room. And it says, if you do it, you win five grain. I don't know if that's true or not. I tried it two times and was unsuccessful. I get which way the thing's supposed to go, but a minute and a half isn't fast enough for my brain. But allegedly it says the sweepstick ends on the 18th of this month. So if you guys want to give it a try, head over to that website. Um, I'm gonna win five grand at some point in time this month.
1: I'm not even gonna let it. it. Do.
0: Let's split it. <laughs> it's a trap. Well, that's what I'm also thinking is that it's unsolvable. <laughs> like it's clear which directions they need to go, but it's maybe rigged so that you don't have enough time to make all the moves. I don't know. Right. You guys try it. People listening, please try it. Let us know if you were able to get your entry into half of what the reward was in the actual film. But- I knew a lot 5Gs. <laughs> so being that I was on the web page, it doesn't have any, um, let's say dark web earmarks or other um, content that I could find. So then I just Googled Minos. Okay. And unbeknownst to me, Minos was a Grecian god, one of Zeus's kids, and he pretty much invented the labyrinth um, Mm -hmm. to punish a city for killing his son.
1: Yes, sir. So
0: every whatever amount of time, they have to sacrifice seven boys, seven girls, and which this is a callback to this movie aspect of, if you include that gatekeeper, there are seven people six oh, people we thought were concessants and then him makes seven uh, and the reason I, I, I mention this is because you guys remember Hellraiser um Pinhead whom all of us call Pinhead and even in, during the production they call him Pinhead but his actual real name was the priest the priest is just a mantle of the people that work for the gatekeeper or all the Cenobites so there's always a head Cenobite cool. um who the Cenobites work, in a labyrinth that is designed not to be escaped. There's only three ways. You defeat a Cenobite using Cenobite weaponry or you become a Cenobite or you get to go to hell and be tortured forever. Those are your only three options once you're in that labyrinth. And as you've seen in Hellraiser 1, 2, and Hellseeker, Christy has never really escaped. Which is pertinent to this, because sure, most of you fans recognize Ashley Lawrence is in this film. And it was a fun little Easter egg. There's no credit for it on the website whatsoever. But again, calling back to Hellraiser, uh, this is where the movies parallel. Like They're definitely paying tribute to some of the mythos that's already been established by another franchise. And I thought that was cool. Especially in the aspect of this escape room, as we learn, is designed for no one to leave. When Ben gets out and runs into that gatekeeper, the gatekeeper f- figures out, or finds out, he is now becoming the game. And uh, that was the best twist for me, is that, hey, everyone's playing. You think you have a role, but no, not really. Like, whoever decided he was in, and whatever capacity he was originally hired for, he is also in. So just like a Cenobite, he can keep working, he can die, or he can be tortured. That Which I thought was, was awesome twist. That was something I did not think about at all.
2: You've, like, blown my mind, kind of, sort of, really. <laughs> I'm in shock.
1: It seemed like that whole entire scene, like, I just sat there and was in shock. I was just so confused, and I was just like, wow, this is a pretty good twist well I mean I got super happy when it said system
0: override That it showed hey this person's a player (laughs) yeah and I thought that that was the only time I thought maybe dark web because at first I was like why is there hieroglyphics on the screen and then I was like no I'm just dumb and I don't understand IT shit (laughs) (laughs) and uh, clearly wasn't hieroglyphics um uh, and this is where maybe, if anything, I think the film just ran a little bit long, is that you have this situation in which they escape. And then um, I forget the story, but the cops want her to verify the story and she has to go back. And to me, I was like, this is where they trick her. They aren't real cops. And she's getting suckered right back in.
1: Yeah, I thought the same uh, thing. I was kind of scared for her.
0: Yeah, I was like, how could you be so stupid? What are you doing? Uh, but of course, no, they've packed up and left. And this leaves Zoe with a sour taste in her mouth. And we find out six months later. No, nope, I'm skipping apart. So Dr. Wu-Tang Yu yeah, is acronym for No Way Out. Or not acronym, but uh, anag- anagram for No Way Out, which it uh, goes back to my Hellraiser theory like it's a labyrinth you're not going to leave and definitely following the part where I thought we went too long is then the <laughs> scene that follows with her and Ben talking six months later and you find out what she's been up to that seems like a post credit scene like oh, I yeah. didn't really you don't need to work so hard to set up a sequel but then yeah. of course
1: didn't it look I would kind of have got to you though
0: yeah, it makes it seem like they left whatever city they are supposed to be in and now they're grown adults and not in college or a loser and everything turned around in six months.
1: Yeah, like Ben, he's like, oh, I'm a what do you say, CEO or head manager for something?
0: Yeah, his title got really front, too big for... Yeah. Like, I know I used to drink in the back six months ago, but now I'm good. <laughs> I'm out of a coma. We're just and I'm killing. drinking in the front now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I didn't care for that but obviously if we didn't get that we wouldn't have gotten the scene where we do get the cameo by Ashley Lawrence and we see them doing a test run for Zoe's next flight which I thought was cool that you can see it's bigger than them and this is where the, the franchise kind of turned to hostile for me I said franchise where the movie just turned into hostile for me when you realize that it's a bigger scope than what she thinks she's going to be able to take on. Like, she thinks she's going to go surprise them. She doesn't know she's still playing. Well, that's what my wife was talking about the whole time. She was like, yo,
2: this is not like one or two people. This is a whole company, a whole organization where they sort things out. Um, And I want to revert back to the scene where the Game Master in quotes mm-hmm. of course because obviously he he got he got dead and he wasn't <laughs> a building master um he said well we were we we have a thing going on where you know we go ahead and we recruit college athletes soul survivors and of course you know maybe me, i'm like so it's not like just soul survivors like i thought it was what the fuck's going on this is deep um but they, it, it, there's a lot more to it than the viewers and just zoe think because zoe mentions earlier in the movie like we're all still survivors you know there's a four percent chance of that happening and then ashley lawrence's character mentions specifically what are the chances of survival and she says about four percent he's like good they need at least at least a little bit of a chance to win
0: yeah So it's like we know we need to make it a little entertaining, but we're for certain they're going to die.
2: Yeah. Of course, you know, the whole time I'm sitting here freaking out like everything makes sense.
0: (laughs) But see, then that's where I go back to yet again. My Hellraiser Cenobite theory is that we see people become unconscious. No one gets decapitated. Uh, Amanda falls into a pit But we never see her mangled body Danny Looks like he's being pulled In a direction But there shouldn't be any current underneath there Because they've already shown that it's a wall That is a hologram of some sort
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So maybe they're pulling him out So like they failed this test But then maybe their punishment Or their torture is They have to sit through and help them set up more rooms so maybe in the sequel, one of those people who we presume were dead is then a gatekeeper. Please let it be Danny.
1: I, was, yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be Danny.
0: I mean, he would be the one that would be the most interesting, right? He's super excited about this shit, and he wasn't disturbed at all that they were trying to kill him. Like, he was and still I, in it. He And the thing
2: is, is this. He's so naive that he could be manipulated.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah
2: and i mean like i said just, this with um my with my sister-in-law and my wife obviously like think about it like this Danny's the one where he's fully committed everyone else has this awesome like you know weird backstory we don't know Danny's backstory which makes it vague enough for him to be a game master it makes it vague enough for him to do that because we don't know anything that happened to him for because i mean you have homeboy um Mike, where he's like, oh, my nephew sent me here. Everyone has someone that kind of sent them there. But you don't know why Danny was sent there. We just know, right. hey, he loves escape rooms. It would make sense for them to make him a game master.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, because even his death or disappearance or that explosion that was triggered, like, even if they got that lighter, they weren't going to have enough fuel in that tiny little bit to melt that block of ice like that was immeasurable it was never a threat so I think that he was selected or maybe he was training like he was just there as a red herring as you know this is the nerd he's annoying and he's seeing how he's studying people's reactions as this thing goes on to determine probability of them figuring it out right and then there was kind of that weird exchange between Ben and Danny before Danny goes down but they exchange like longing looks at each other for no reason. Yeah. So it was strange and they they even asked like what was that? What happened? Cuz it was like they were left alone for a little too long. As a viewer, I felt awkward during that. I was like something's going on and I'm
2: not grasping it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So it would be cool if there is a sequel that you know when he bent down to pick up the lighter he saw that he was wearing a camera or a mic or something like that and was exposed. Cause we never saw Danny's torso again. So right. maybe something, you know, and this could be a mythos. And Sony, if you use this, I want my paycheck. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> one of those things that you can play upon. Cause we're already theorizing about it. I mean, it's definitely a plausible theory. Like,
2: 100% plausible Because Like I said before He's the most naive He was the most excited about it He was the one that was the most suspicious to me So if he became a game master I would not be surprised And so yeah. I mean I want half that paycheck
1: half. And just like some of the comments he made Like with the whole cell phone situation He was like oh, i always make sure I try to carry two of them
0: yeah and he also to. said he was the one that self-proclaimed that there was a game master mm. thinking back on it no one else would have even been looking for a game master if he didn't say that
2: oh god my mind's been blown <laughs> oh god
1: we're, we're on to danny we're on to him
2: yeah, <gasps> but he's like gonna... my
1: favorite i mean yeah he was cool and all but he's suspicious as hell yeah
0: I mean, that, that little fucker was up to something He's not on the level of my blue thing,
2: Amanda, but at the same time,
1: (laughs) your blue thing is gone. Okay,
2: she will never die. (laughs) She's in true bloods.
1: Yes, she'll never. Yes.
0: Exactly. That's a way to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think we've picked this apart pretty well. I don't know if you guys have anything else that uh, you wanted to explore. Probably Uh, not, but trust me.
2: um, (laughs) If I do think about something, I'll I'll definitely message every single one of you. I will find a way to message the whole fan base to let them know my thoughts. But as of right now,
0: no, I'm good. Yeah, I would say maybe maybe we revisit this again and let it settle a little bit because, I mean, the movie's three days old, two days old. I mean, there's still more thought to be put into this. Oh, yeah.
1: And so far, it's doing pretty well in the box office. So.
0: Well, there you go. I mean, again, it's the first horror movie of the year. It's a good way to set the tone. Uh, I obviously enjoyed it. There's a couple plot holes, but no movie's perfect. And if it was, we wouldn't be talking about it. Precisely.
1: <laughs> so what would y'all rate it?
0: I would give it a s- solid three and a half out of five. We're going
2: out of five stars? Oh, man. I wasn't ready for that. Okay. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I would give it a three point five. My my ten star my you know ten point scale was seven point five. So three point five translates very well. It was very well done, very well thought out. Of course, you have plot holes, but plot holes lead to discussion leads to speculation, leads to fans
0: wanting more. <laughs> right. And Ash, how about you?
1: Well, You know me, like, I love gore and all that stuff, so I was kind of a little down that there was not gore in the movie. Um, (laughs) I don't know, like, at first, like, after I saw it, I was just like, this movie was in." Like, all my friends were like, oh, how was the movie? I am just like, it's eh. But after having a couple days to, like, let it marinate in my brain and hearing y'all thoughts about it and all that stuff, I grew to appreciate it, so I'll give about 3.5 out of 5 because I definitely did not appreciate the movie at first.
0: Right. Well, it's currently resting. I was curious. Is that a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes certified fresh? I believe that's the way you say that, not sponsored. And uh, (laughs) so it has the potential to do well. And as you said, you've already looked, and it is doing well. I mean, nothing's going to catch Aquaman or anything like that. But... Um, you know, good job, Sony. Why don't you make movies like this all the time and stop giving me fucking Slender Man <laughs> shit? Um so super Slender Man salty.
1: in the past.
0: Hey, you know, Venom and now this. So uh plus you can count Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, like they've had three, let's say, hits potentially, definitely two. So it's yeah. like they are capable of giving us good content. They're just not interested in doing it all the time. Manila from Back Cash cap. Yeah. So anyway, I believe this movie is a good way to start the new year. Welcome 2019. I'm looking forward to all the horror to come. I hope you guys are ready to take a ride with us. Next or next episode will actually be our one year anniversary. So we'll probably figure out some fun <laughs> way to celebrate that with all you spooky people. Definitely
1: they love us they really love us they're all gonna laugh at you
0: i mean you can say that too <laughs> <laughs> all right well there you have it escape room 2019 it feels weird to even say 2019 but we are here and uh thanks for hanging in with us over the break i hope you enjoyed our year in show ash pointed out that we didn't do a worst of 2018 So maybe at some point we'll figure out a bonus episode to sneak that in before we do our anniversary episode. And that will be totally enjoyable. (laughs) Yes. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a good night. Take
2: care.